and the Mishnah continues to discuss what's included in the sale of various items when the details aren't specified in the terms of the sale. The first case is if one sells a donkey. And the Gemara explains this isn't just a regular donkey. This is when you say you're selling a donkey that's a nursing donkey. And the fact that it's a nursing donkey suggests that the nursing part of it is a is a is a is an advantage is a is a virtue, and since we keep kosher and that which comes from a not kosher animal isn't kosher, the fact that the donkey is nursing doesn't help anybody because the milk's not kosher. So therefore, why would you care? It's a nursing donkey because it has a baby who's going to come in tow. And therefore, the Mishnah says, if you're hamocher es hachamor, if you say you're selling your donkey and you specify it's a nursing donkey, then machar es hasiach. So then the baby donkey, the foal, comes along with it. In contrast, para, if one is selling a cow, and again, he says this is a nursing cow. So there, of course, there's a big advantage. Cows that are nursing are cows that have lots of milk, and milk is kosher if it comes from a cow, and that's what you want. And therefore, the baby cow, the calf, doesn't go with it. New paragraph, if you will. We have four different um, physical locations that have movables on top of them, or inside of them. So, in all four cases, the mission says, Machar Ashpa, if one is selling the place that is designated for storing fertilizer, this is actually an area that's like raised above the ground or dug into the ground a little bit by three Tavachim or more. So then, if, if he's selling his fertilizer storage area, Machar Zibla, whatever manure fertilizer is there at the time is included in the sale. Similarly, Machar Bor, if one sells his water cistern, Machar Meimav, the water that's inside the cistern goes with it. Similarly, Machar Kaveres, if one sells a beehive, so then Machar Devorim, the bees inside the hive, go with it. And finally, Machar Shovach, if one sells his dovecote, the place where he raises uh, birds, pigeons, doves, so then Machar Yonim, the birds, go along with the sale. Again, like every case of the whole parak and the previous parak. We're interpreting what a normal person in this time and place would intend by such a sale. So, of course, if that's changed, then that will be different. Uh, moreover, the Gemara says, this is the opinion of, of Rav Nasan, the Tana, and the Chum disagree at least um, regarding the case of the boar, the water cistern. Um, the Chum's position is that the water should not be sold with it because water, unlike um, fertilizer and birds and bees, uh, is uh, is always like needed by whoever is you know by everybody in water every day and therefore it's a different kind of thing and the person wouldn't agree to sell the system but he wants the water for himself so that's different and whether uh, we possibly Rabbi Nasan or the Chachamim is actually Machlokas that reflect is reflecting the Shitas and the Shulchan Aruch and Ramah okay um, now kind of like a new paragraph what happens if a person makes a deal where he essentially says I have a factory, so to speak, that produces stuff. The first case will be produces baby birds. Second case will be produces bees. And you essentially, you want birds or bees. So you say, listen, I want to buy the output of your factory. I'm putting factory in quotations here, right? So to speak, factory. So um, since the owner of the factory is, uh, he intends to, you know, produce more of these birds or these bees in subsequent years, obviously he can't give away everything, because if you gave away all the birds, then there'd be no birds for next year. If you gave all the bees, there'd be no bees for next year. So the question is, uh, when a person agrees to give all of the production from his bird factory, so to speak, or his bee factory, so to speak, uh, what's included? So says the Mishnah, Halokech peros shovach, 
mechavero. If one comes to terms with his friend that he is purchasing all of his, um, the output of his shovach, of his dovecot, meaning all the new birds that are going to be uh, hatched over the course of the next year. So then, mafriach brecha rishona, not translating literally, but it means he doesn't keep the first batch of birds that are that are hatched. So just a little more color on this. The way it works, says the Gemara, is that um, when you have pigeons and doves, they basically they lay eggs um, every month, a pair of eggs. One's a boy, one's a girl. Um, and the parents will stick around as so long as they have that first pair around to take care of. They'll invest them. So, it's, so that's called the bre- the pair is called the brecha. And the mission here is saying that the first brecha has to be left behind, the two children of the parents. So the parents don't literally fly the coop. They stick around. Um, and then the subsequent birds that are hatched through the rest of the year um, are given to the person who contracted to purchase um, them. Uh, the normal course of events is that every month there are two more birds, um, two more eggs laid, and then those eggs turn to, to little you know baby birds. Um, so that's the normal course of events. And um, when those birds mature after a couple of months, then they'll all start laying eggs. So the Gemara further says that not only do you have to leave like that first generation of, I'll call them children, but also the first generation of grandchildren so that everyone, all the birds are sticking around. And after that, um, that'll, the, I'll call them, there'll be other grandchildren being born, so to speak, and they'll also be going to the purchaser. So at the end of the day, he's getting, the purchaser's getting all of the quote-unquote children and grandchildren of the birds that are there, uh, but not the first batch of two, the first brecha, which they don't, the purchaser doesn't get so that the whole bird-making enterprise doesn't uh, come to an end. Now, um, the literal translation of the words is mafriach brecha rishon, which is kind of like to he feels a cause of it. means like cause them to fly back, to chase them away. I think that's not to be taken literally. In other words, the, it means that they don't take in the first place. The purchaser isn't entitled to receive in the first place the first batch of birds um, that are that are um, hatched to the parents. Okay, that's how it works um, in a dove coat. Now the next case is, what about peros caveres? A person contracts with his fellow to get all the output of this hive, meaning all the bees that swarm from the hive that are born in this in this year. The way hives work, beehives work, is that in the summertime, um, every roughly 10 days, a new nichil, um, like call it a swarm of bees, come out of the hive. Um, and so the idea is, again, that the person who's buying it will want these, but he can't get them all, and the seller never could have meant to give them all, because then he wouldn't have a functioning hive the following year. Um, the first three nechilim, the first three swarms that come out in the summertime, those are the real essential, important ones. Those for sure go into the purchaser. Um, but then basically every 10 days throughout the summer, another maybe a total of seven or eight different um, batches of bees will come out, and the seller gets to keep some of those. So says the Mishnah, no tell shlosha nechilin. First, the purchaser gets those first three swarms nechil swarm that comes out of the nest of the beehive, and then umisares. After that, they alternate, meaning that that nechil number four, the fourth swarm, is kept by the original bee owner, and then the fifth swarm that comes out, like the first three, go to the purchaser. The sixth is kept by the original owner. The seventh goes to the purchaser, and so on. Okay, the next case the Mishnah is chalos dvash, the honeycomb that comes from the hive. So um, bees uh, basically have honeycomb to store, amongst other things, their honey. Okay, and people want the honeycomb because they want the honey. And you can actually take those 
you could take the honeycomb out and essentially you know drain it of the honey and then put it back in again. If you take away all the honeycomb, then the bees won't be able to survive the winter, so you need to leave some behind. So the mission is saying if a person agrees to sell all his honeycomb, how much is included, how much is left behind? So says the Mishnah, Chalos Tavash, when it comes to honeycomb, Maniach Shtei Chalos, two honeycombs need to be left behind so the bees can survive the winter, and the rest of the honeycombs would be going to the purchaser. Uh, in case you're wondering why bee honey is kosher, because we, in the beginning of the Mishnah we said that that the, the yotzi tummy thing, which comes from a not kosher animal, like the milk from a donkey, isn't kosher. So why is bee honey yes kosher? The answer is the Gemara gives two reasons. Uh, one is that the bees aren't actually um, producing the honey as like a production of their body, the output of their body. Rather, essentially, the the nectar that the honey, the nectar that the bee ingests, essentially is um, kind of converted honey inside it's the call call it its stomach for lack of a better term right now and then it regurgitates it back out again okay so it's not actually you know it just it, it like turns it into something else from what's inside of it a second reason the gemara gives gemara Bukharos, is that um there's a cause of basically so there's one from possibly like that whatever the case is behind is an exception to this rule the last case of the mishnah is if a person um sells his olive tree branches for wood so the purchaser wants like firewood he so he agrees to the owner of the olive tree say, I'll give you the branches from my olive tree so you can have firewood. He wouldn't want to sell all the branches because then the tree's gonna die and not produce new olives, etc. So how much is included? It says the Mishnah, Zaysim Lakotz, if the deal is that I'm agreeing to sell you my olive tree wood to cut off the branches for firewood, Maniachte Grofios, so two branches are left behind um, to produce more olives and the rest are sold on. Again, this mission, like all the Mishnahis in the whole parak and the previous parak, are all based on what a normal person would expect it to mean, and what the mission understood a person would mean in the, you know, second, third century of the common era in Eretz Yisrael, where the mission is being written. Um, but uh, in every different time and place, the halacha would be different if people talk and refer things or expect things in a different way.